Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Must Talk About Nothing, our Batman Gate investigative special. As always, I'm your host and lead investigator, Grant Ingram, and today is a weird one. We are bringing you the latest information about a scandal you haven't heard of yet. If that sounds different, then tune in. The rest of this will be too. So what is Batman Gate? Batman Gate is a campaign started by former DC Comics penciler Chris Wozniak. Wozniak claims that the Batman director Matt Reeves and producer Michael Uslan actively plagiarized a story that Wozniak wrote in 1990 and submitted to Michael Uslan around 2007. Is there evidence to back up these claims? I mean, Wozniak has the evidence with documentation of the timeline of his original story or at the very least a file from 2011 containing a retype of it. And he also has a comprehensive list of the differences and similarities between his story and the Batman. But that presents a unique problem in that in order to empirically prove that the story was stolen, he must prove that Matt Reeves intentionally plagiarized his story after receiving it from Michael Uslan, which requires proving that Michael Uslan read it, liked it, and then gave it to Reeves to base his story off of, either with Reeves intentionally violating his professional integrity or not knowing that Mr. Wozniak hadn't been paid. Mr. Wozniak presents a variety of evidence to show that the two films are similar. In Wozniak's plot, the Batman's at his end of, at the end of his career, and in the Batman, the Batman's at his beginning of his career. And those two things are different, but they're not different enough. They're rewrites, essentially, according to Mr. Wozniak. So he was told that the end of career Batman was too old and too global. And then when they reboot it, all of a sudden he's at the beginning of his career. He had a criminal banking conglomerate. And then he that was reworked into an organized crime syndicate. Same thing, same story purpose, as he says here at the bottom of this slide, or identical story function, if you will, but renamed. And it keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And there's a biblical plague, a biblical flooding. Like, it's all the same, according to Mr. Wozniak. But I had questions. And as I always do when I have questions, I called him. I reached out to Mr. Wozniak after hearing his story, and he graciously agreed to come on. Before recording, he assured me that he did not need notes and that everything he was sharing was true as he presented it. At first, I was skeptical, but while I was talking to him, it became clear that he really believes what he is saying, regardless of whether or not it is true or not. More on that later. Now for the interview. But first, let me tell you about Manscaped. Support for Much Talk About Nothing is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MUCHTALK at manscaped.com. And if my math is correct, that means that about 12 million balls are using Manscaped. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, 
the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Your manscaped goodies, not your manscaped goodies. And that lawnmower 4.0 is like the best trimmer ever. It absolutely helps with the nicks. It helps with all of the little issues that you have. It's waterproof. It is fantastic. It isn't. It is going to help you get rid of your your nicks, your cuts, your scrapes, everything. Ingrown hairs. It helps reduce those. Doesn't completely eliminate it, but it will help reduce it drastically and then their fourth generating the fourth generation trimmer it features a cutting edge ceramic blade which reduces grooming accidents i've literally held my thumb up to it as it's going and no issues whatsoever and then they they throw in like two free gifts which are their boxers and the shed travel bag and i will tell you their boxers are the most comfortable underwear i've ever worn and while that might be an embarrassing thing to admit on a podcast, it's true. They are fantastic. And that travel bag has come in handy already, and I've only had it for about three weeks. It is fantastic, and I cannot recommend it enough. So go and get 20% off and free shipping with the code MUCHTALK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code MUCHTALK. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the jewels with Manscaped. And now to the interview. So, Mr. Wozniak, do you mind kind of going through and telling us the the similarities, the story, how this all came to pass? Yeah, I mean, what we are talking about here is the plot that I wrote ages ago and that I submitted to DC Comics, you know, several times over the years and, you know, all the way up until like about 2017. Uh, and, you know, I was still, you know, randomly pitching it to other DC artists and Batman. It was, it was one of those stories where, um, you know, every time, uh, you know, if we were talking with other artists and writers and stuff like that, if, you know, if they mentioned, you know, like a project coming to an end, I would just, I throw it out there as like, you know, I've got this Batman thing we never did. It's really great. You know, uh, are you interested? And, you know, I did that multiple times over the years, but also, you know, I first pitched the DC, DC comics at the Batman office way back in 1990. When I first wrote it, I pitched it to Archie Goodwin. And um, after Archie passed away, I pitched it again via email to the Batman office in, in about 2002. Um, and then again, you know, on and off just, and this is also a plot, you know, mind you that like I used to just hand out as my, as a, a writing sample, trying to get, um, you know, uh, just, you know, writing gigs. Cause you know, I was kind of known for penciling. And I was trying to move into writing because th that's really easier for me. I, I like writing. Penciling for me is hard work. It doesn't come natural. I'm not the world's best penciler. But writing is, you know, especially comic books, it, it just comes easy. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, I just, I prefer to write than to draw. And, you know, I was trying to make that transition. But, uh, you know, but the issue here that we're talking about is in 2008, I met Michael Usland, who's the producer of the Batman films, and he approached me at uh, New York Comic Con at the Javits Center, 2008. And I was uh, going to publish a comic book called Baron Soil. I had, you know, I had printed up a thousand copies just to, you know, hand out of samples and stuff like that. And I had a banner with the logo really large behind me and everything. So he <clears throat> he came to my booth and he said, you know, I really like the title of your book. 
you know, I'm a film producer. I'm always looking for good stories. Do you mind if I have a copy? And of course I gave him one, you know, I didn't recognize his name or anything, but you know, film producer, Hey, I like your story. You know, let me, let me take a look at it. You know, of course, you know, you give him a, a comp copy and, you know, he also, uh, he had a small stack of books under his arm. So, you know, I, I presume that, you know, he had asked quite a few people um, for copies of their books, you know, just looking for stories and stuff like that, you know, but he told me, I'm always looking for good stories and he gave me his card, you know, and I didn't recognize his name right away. Uh, but, you know, after the convention, I went home and I Googled his name and I saw he was the producer of the Batman movies. And I had this unused Batman uh, plot that, you know, I, I always thought was great. You know, everybody always liked it. We just never got it done. It was one of those projects. Uh, so, you know, it was a little part. So I sent it to him. I was like, I've got this, you know, great Batman story. And we never got around to doing it at DC, but it make a killer Batman flick, you know. And that that is, you know, essentially it. I mean, you know, after that, I didn't hear from him. Um, so uh, I didn't, you know, nothing really developed. You know, I still, you know, kicked it around, tried to get it, you know, other guys involved every once in a while. You know, if, if it came up, they were looking for a project, you know. Um, and then uh, I saw the movie on HBO. And it's, and it's my plot, you know, the Riddler story, at least. Very, you know, we're, I just want to clarify, we're only talking about the, Rid, the Riddler uh, story in the film, not nothing to do with the subplots with Catwoman or Penguin, just the main story. You know, and the Riddler storyline is the main plot of the right. film. You know, but right. that's what we're talking about. You know. So you, you say it's, it's your plot. Um, can you kind of go into some specifics on that? Are there things that stick out? Yeah. I, well, the thing is, it's, it's soup to nuts, my plot. Um, you know, it's just all been, you know, if you take my plot <clears throat> and, uh, and, and all they did with it was, you know, it was making it into a young reboot. And, you know, and I, and I chronicle this, you know, painstakingly, it's, you know, the videos go into it in pretty good detail. But, you know, every single, you know, change is, is literally for the exact same purpose. You know, it's just to, they're going to do a young reboot. You know, everything has to take place in Gotham City. And so those are the rewrites that that match across the board with in every instance, and there's none that don't fit. And, you know, because the original plot that I wrote, I initially wrote it to be, you know, I, I was 26 when I wrote it, you know, <clears throat> and I wrote it to be a sequel to Frank Miller's Dark Knight. You know, I thought, you know, I'll just come in with this killer story. Everybody would be excited about it and we'll get to do this, you know, great thing. And, you know, um, Archie Goodwin, who was the Batman editor at the time, you know, he's the guy I gave it to and, you know, had to pester him for two, three weeks to get him to read it. But, you know, one day he approached me in the office. I was in the office, caddy corner from him. And, uh, you know, he, he came over and he was like, you know, did you write that story? I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, did you write that by yourself? It's your story. I was like, yeah, it's my story. I wrote it. And he thought it was great, but, you know, he thought it was too big because I was young. I didn't have a reputation or anything, you know? And he just thought that uh, Paul and Jeanette, who ran DC Comics, they were the publishers. He was like, they're never going to let you do this. You know, it, it just won't happen. And he said, if you were Frank Miller, we'd let you do this tomorrow. You know, <clears throat> and, you know, at the time, you know, I was I'm trying to transition into writing, but I didn't know how to push for that. I didn't, I didn't know how to kind of say, well, look, you know, I'm just looking to write it, you know, uh, you know, get someone else to draw it. You know, I, it, it, you know, I, didn't, uh, I didn't I didn't go into that. And uh, I just let it, you know, lie because that's what he told me. So, you know, um, that's where it sat. And, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I, and I just found out actually literally, I think yesterday when I posted, I, you know, I put it on Twitter that a friend of mine who 
in those days was, was he was you know a good friend of mine, but he also did assistant work for uh, for me, and then you know penciled a few books at Marvel under his own name. Um, you know, we wrote another Batman story apparently that we pitched to Archie. You know, and I think uh, I haven't got you know he he sent me the uh, cover sheet, but I haven't read it yet. You know, um, but he's going to send me the whole story. But it's uh, you know I think the idea behind that was okay that you know my first plot was too big. Let's do something a little more toned down. And see if we can, you know, get something going. Because, you know, we we are talking like, in, you know, in 1990, the early 90s, like everybody everybody wanted to work at the Batman office. You know, everybody wanted to, you know, contribute or you know get something going with it. You know, it was after the Keaton movie. You know, Batman was you know the comic book world for a little bit. You know, so we all wanted to get down with it. And so, and also, you know, I mean, just my friend Pete. Um, uh, he was a super Batman fan. You know, he was like, you know, and everybody loves Batman, but he was like, you know, and so he was like, come on, let's do another one. So apparently we wrote a whole second story that I forgot about, you know, that I'll be able to read soon. Yeah. So there, I'm just to make sure I'm clear on this. So there's the story that they took for the Batman and then there's a second one. Right. Um, Yeah. The second one has really nothing to do with this. It's just one of those you know, uh, he's got an original, well, the only thing that he has to do with this is that um, uh, he sent me, he found that second story. He's got an original copy from 1992, but he thinks he has an original copy of the 1990 plot too. Okay. So I'm, I'm just waiting. He says he's going to look for it. He just, he went somewhere with his girlfriend. It sounded like a vacation or something. Um, but as soon as he gets back, I'm going to pester him. And, uh, you know, but he thinks, you know, he's got that 1990 copy. Which obviously, we, you know, I mean, there's plenty of proof, you know, in, in, in other places in computer files and stuff like that, the, that the plot is as old as I say it is. That's a non-issue to prove that. Um, but, uh, you know, it would be nice to have an original copy just to, you know, a smelly old yellowed copy that, you know, from yeah. then, you know. I, I do have to ask the devil's advocate question. Did you register sure. the script anywhere? Is it is it a full script no. or is it just kind of a, an outline? It, it it is a complete story. Uh, in typewritten pages, it's ten pages, um, and uh, you know. But in those days, we were all welcome to pitch whenever we wanted to. It's not you know. I don't know what how it is today. I know they don't let people, or actually, DC doesn't have an office anymore, right? Uh, they um, don't know what they're doing anymore. No. Yeah, um, but in those days, you know, you were freelancers that you know, if you were working up there and you know, kind of regular, you were welcome to just come in and and you know, browse the offices and talk to guys and, and show your art samples or your writing samples and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, that was just normal. That's how things were. And, you know, but but just to, you know, point out that, you know, in those days and still today and forever and ever, there's no such thing as a Batman story that's ever been published that doesn't have a contract attached to it with the writer. Right. You know, no one in DC has never, ever published a Batman story that they didn't, you know, it, when somebody brings something in and they go, okay, we like this, we're going to use it. There's always a contract in place. You know, they never ever would dare, um, you know, like publish something without a contract in place. It's because they don't own those stories. You know, if somebody writes a story that has Batman in it, DC Comics knows they don't own that story at all. You know, the writer has uh, controls the copyright to that story. And DC owns the trademark, which is the concept of Batman. So, um, you know, and the way the law works, you know, copyright law is that, you know, the writer, let's say from me, for instance, I can't go out and use this Batman story 
and publish a Batman comic on my own because I would be violating their trademark. And they can't take my story and use it and uh, without a contract in place and publish my story even, even though it has Batman in it, because they'd be violating my copyright. And that's how the law protects both sides. And so, you know, um, you know, just the act of showing uh, something to someone doesn't mean anything. You know, you, it's your story. You control it until you sign the rights over. And, you know, that's that's how that works. Right. And so as far as the, um, like you mentioned the court of law, are you planning right. on suing or are you just planning on? Well, I'm, I'm going to get legal representation. Obviously, at some point I need that uh, right. to sort this out, you know, to, to you know, and, and to, you know, cross all the teeth and dot the I's. Um, yeah. So, but the thing is like, you know, we are talking about, you know, Warner Brothers, a multi-billion dollars, the second biggest studio in the world. You know, and, but even if we're just talking about Michael Uslin and or Matt Reeves, you know, we were talking about very, very wealthy, wealthy guys, you know, and to, you know, bring lawsuits against these people, you know, you like, it's not something I could afford to do because, you know, they'll, they'll, They'll kick it down the road and bleed you out in court fees and everything. So what I need, and and, and any comic book artist in my position would need this, is we, I, you know, I need a lawyer to come in and take the case on contingency, meaning he'll take a piece off the back end. Yeah. Right. So that's why, you know, that's the whole point of going public to raise awareness for all this and to, you know, attract the, you know, legal representation, but also, you know, secondarily to, you know, to, to call this out, you know, and make sure that this doesn't happen to other people and, you know, I mean, because this is a very, very common thing, Hollywood pilfering stories and concepts and everything from the comic book community. And, and those guys never get credited. And, you know, this is, you know, it's an old story. You know? Right. So you're not looking for funding directly from the public. You're just looking to raise awareness. Is that correct? Uh, well, if, you know, as far as far, I have a Patreon thing, and there's an Indiegogo thing. You know, if somebody, you know, if somebody, here's the thing, if somebody believes that, you know, they use my story, they didn't pay me and they want to contribute something, you know, I'm completely open to that. That's fine. You know, if they just want to talk about it, that's fine. You know, I'm just trying to raise awareness. Um, but, you know, like, as far as legal fees go, I, I'm going to need that lawyer that's going to come in and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, I believe this, you know, I'll, I'll come and I'll take a piece of this. And then, you know, it would be nice, you know, if uh, they just did the right thing and go, oh, we fucked up, you know, sorry you know, we'll fix right. this, but you know, we all know the odds of that are zero. And so, you know, if you don't, if you don't make a big public stink and, you know, frankly, just embarrass them because the optics are so terrible, you know, then they'll just ignore you forever. You know? Right. At the very least, if you, if you raise enough awareness, they'll give you going away money. And yeah, you know, yeah. they'll offer that, you know, right. If it's, you know, so, but again, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's how this always goes in every, every, instance you know they don't uh, they don't it, they'll never admit guilt but you know but they don't pony up or anything uh unless you know there's a public outcry so right exactly we saw that with the snyder cut we've we've seen it over and over again it, they right yeah so i i do have a couple of just questions that i've seen sure. people ask just specifically about the script so I, i've uh-huh. seen the youtube videos um there's a there's a slide where you have kind of the similarities listed out are um and so one of them that I've, I've been seeing that people are kind of using against your your hashtag batman gate campaign um is so you you talk about so you're from what i understand your your story it was an older batman it was more global 
Yes. And then you you call that you say that's similar to the Batman, which is a younger Batman and focused in Gotham City. And it that that's that's misrepresenting what what that slide is. It's, if you watch the video, I'm very clear. That's a list of the differences, and then I explain why the differences and that they're not, not differences. They're rewrites, and in every instance, you know, um, the, every difference has a one for one parallel between my plot and the film that have an identical story function, and they are all fit into the exact same category of um of converting my story into a young reboot everything has to take place in gotham so if i had something that was a big global thing it just got reduced to be a local event because they're doing a young batman so for instance you know um you know in my plot there you know there was you know uh, uh, everything was kind of driven by a global banking uh conglomerates that are you know and and in the actual film they just converted that to be you know, localized, the uh, organized crime syndicate. So it's stuff like that. But it, everything has a one, you know, the um, the differences all have a one-to-one parallel between the film and my plot. And they have the exact identical story function. And the stories, you know, flow exactly the same and take, you know, all the beats are the same. The character motivations are the same. And the turning points are the same. And the ending is the same. You know, so um, I'm not saying that that thing there, they're misrepresenting that that's a list of the differences. Okay. And then I show exactly why. If you wait another like five seconds in the video, then it's explained why the differences are different and, and shows, you know, it, you know, they, they, they purposely cut that out because, you know, they're not, uh, they're just, you know, they're trolling, you know, so. Right. Which is why, I, which is why I invited you on to begin with. Yeah. Um, There's been a lot of trolls this weekend. I've I've yeah. seen my fair share of them. Um, I had somebody respond to one of the one of the tweets I sent at you, um, pretending to be you, and I'm like, huh, that's kind of disappointing. And then you know, it, we, today there was a second fake account we just found. Um, well, so it means you're doing something right. If people are coming yeah, I mean, you, you know, uh, yeah, if you know when they come out like this and they're they are they are out in full force, but you know, I, I think it's kind of silly and ridiculous because you know if you don't believe my story. If you don't believe that that's my plot in the film, and I think I proved that in that second Batman game video, Batman Gate 2. Um, but if you don't believe that, they're bringing all kinds of attention to this that I can never generate on my own. So, I, you know, I don't care. I let them, you know, you know, hate all you want, make videos, you know, bring your friends, yell and scream. You know, they're just bringing more attention to it. And then, you know, people with common sense who just watch the videos, you know, I'm convincing most of them. So right. know, I'm fine with that, you know. Right. And one of the things I think that we've accomplished here is you've, you've presented it all in a short, easy to digest, um, just, you know, video. Or can we expect a third YouTube video to kind of, once you get that? Yeah, I might have to, the, the third, the third Batman gate video was, you know, I was planning on doing, it's going to be dull, but it's just going to be a, um, a documentation of, you know, of, of, you know, proving how old the plot is and when it was sent out and who's seen it, all that stuff. That's not going to be an exciting video. Um, but, you know, but I may have to do, you know, a couple of shorter videos, uh, you know, in between to, because there's some other things I want to say. And like, you know, just to point out, like, uh, you know, how this affects people that are working class people in comics. You know, right. you have these mega millionaires in Hollywood that just pilfer stuff. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's just not right. And there are guys that are, uh, you know, lots of guys that this happens to, you know, I mean, this has been going on since probably I'm sure before I came in, but even when I first started working in comics, I think I was in 1986, you know, and I think that's when RoboCop dropped and, uh, 
you know, so much of that was taken from Howard Chaikin's American flag. And, you know, he completely went uncredited and didn't make a nickel from it. And, you know, it, it's just stuff like this. This this is a very, very common story. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I didn't feel like like eating it. I was like, this is bullshit. You know, I'm not going to, you know, sit around and just let this go. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a stink. And, and if, you know, if they have an answer for it, I'd love to hear it. You know, I'm more than happy to, to go on any podcast with Uslin or Reeves or both of them or whatever. I don't need notes. I don't need anything. I think I can prove my case. You know, I, you know, I would love to hear what they have to say. Um, but, you know, I, you know, that's all there is to it. I just don't think like, you know, if somebody, you know, steals your story, there's no other word for it. I mean, they took it. They took my name off and put someone else's name on it. So that's stealing, you know, and then right. they go out and make all this money. You know, these guys are, are, you know, doing their victory laps and claiming credit and everything. You know, that's my daughter's college fund and, you know, just the, you know, paying off the mortgage and all that. Right. You know, the, the real world consequences for people that are working, you know, and there's no reason for it because they can afford, you know, what was the budget for that film? It's $200 million. They could have paid me off, you know, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Right. You know? I, so, I can... but they, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, I'm just saying, it's like, I just don't understand the temperament of a person that opts to use it and not credit somebody or pay them. You know, when they have the resources of, you know, the, you know, a mega film studio like that, you know, it's just nuts. I completely understand that. Um, thank you so much for coming on. That's kind of all the questions I had, but I hopefully we can raise some awareness for you and at least let you get your day in court. That that would be great. I mean, I appreciate it. You know, I mean, uh, that's that's all I can ask for is you know I'll answer any questions, but. Uh, you know, if somebody like, you know, believes in spreads the word, I think that's important, you know, for other guys that, that get ripped off too. I mean, like I said, it's a regular thing. You know, they do it all the time. And, you know, people are like, well, what do you hope to accomplish? And, they, you know, and I'll tell you, I said this yesterday to somebody, I said, you know what, right now, you know, even if I don't get paid a penny, we accomplish something because I can guarantee you Matt Reeves or Michael Usland will never again, you know, have this thought in their mind that they can do this. So that's, that's two guys, at least we put a stop to, but I think we should just, you know, make this known so that nobody does it because it's crazy. You know, you know there's no reason to do it. You know, guys in comics are hardworking guys. You know, it's, it's, they deserve the credit when, when the credit's due. I 100% agree with you there. And I, I hope you, you have your chance to prove it. Hey, Mr. Wozniak, I couldn't help but wonder is it possible that he believes what he's saying, but it's just not true? And after some further thought and investigation, I believe that it is. It is simply that it, it is simply possible that he wrote the script, wrote the story, submitted it. Everything he says is true, but it just wasn't used. And it's complete coincidence. If you look at the stories that the Batman was supposedly based on, No Man's Land, and Year One. They all kind of, it makes sense. Everything that was done makes sense. Even with zero year, with the Riddler kind of restarting Gotham, you can see where it all came from. However, it is close enough, similar enough to where I think that Wozniak should have been paid some kind of going away money. But and to see if he will be, I guess we'll have to wait until he can prove that day in court. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you would like to follow us, you can subscribe here on YouTube or on Spotify. 
You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at MTAN Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Must Talk About Nothing. You can send us an email at Must Talk About Nothing at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Grant for the Grant who isn't here. And we'll see you then.